Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. Here at ScreenCloud, we get to work with a lot of great companies and truly special people. One that stands out to us is Rico Europe. The partnership we have there is something very special. And today we have someone with us from that great company that is a critical thinker, a very important thinker, someone who operates with obsession around solving problems that we're all now facing in what we, I guess, refer to as a hybrid workplace or a blended workplace. So it is an absolute pleasure to welcome Nathan Thomas. Nathan, thank you so much for being with us. No problem at all. It's, it's good to be here. And I say, uh, I love having these kind of conversations, the art of the possible, what could be different, what could change. And for me, it, the world that is completely evolving. I like to be the person that tries to get there before everybody else. So it's a constant race of the what's next kind of approach. That's brilliant. Um, well, we are looking forward to this. We have been. So just for folks who aren't quite familiar, could you give us a very quick overview of Rico Europe's position and the perspective on this changing workspace situation we find ourselves in? Yeah. So at Rico Europe here, we, we work on lots of different opportunities. Let me, I did it. So at Rico Europe, we work with many different organizations in many different countries and our, we've got a broad stroke across the entire of EMEA, but it doesn't stop there as well. So we're working with the USA and um, Asia pack. It, it ends up being a really big mix of problems and different, styles of solving problems, different legalities of what you can and can't do in different areas. So for us, we try and take all of our customers' problems, we, we bring them into this big pot, and we try and figure out how we can solve each one. For, for our teams, it's, it's around problems to solve, not solutions to deliver. So once we start figuring out what those problems are, we can really start to tackle those features. And then we bring over uh, the MVP pattern that everybody knows about trying to release different things to solve problems. That approach has taken us not just from software. So Rico on is the software creator. That's, that's my kind of area. But we do the AV. We do the communication services. We install devices. We consult. We help around things like Microsoft technologies, Google technologies, and really try and take into account the, the full workplace experience. And then with that, you, you really open your, your eyes to all of the challenges. It's, it's great trying to be able to put a piece of software in, but how does that piece of software work with the hardware in a room, the hardware in an office, people working remotely? It's how do you bring all of that whole thing into a massive package that just works? And it, anyone that's worked in an office knows that it's, <laughs> most of the time it doesn't just work. Something doesn't work, whether it's the support side, whether it's the working of its side, whether it's the collaboration, or they don't just get what we have to do in our team. Every team works differently. The cultures are different, subcultures. So it's, it's how do you tackle all of that problem in one organization and then every other organization. 
quite the challenge, isn't it? It's almost the impossible challenge, which is, I think, um, what keeps me working. It's, I always say I, I, I get paid to do what I like to do, not to work. Either way, I'd be doing this for free if um, someone wasn't paying me, so lucky to be paid for it. Yeah, it's the beauty of really having a personal mission that aligns with what the company actually is doing, right? Like trying to yeah. work on these problems. That's great. So how are you then seeing, working with so many companies all over the world, really, and, and large ones too, how are you seeing these bigger companies responding to and now approaching this hybrid workplace of today and the future? Yeah. So the way companies are responding, there's, there's a commonality around it. There was a lot of denial at the start, especially back in March. No one really thought they'd be out of the office for any great period of time. So a lot of people were kind of like, let's figure out what we do. Let's get Teams, Zoom, whatever it might be installed. Let's make sure we can do what we normally do in the office remotely. And then we were back in the offices by June. Everything would be fine. June came and everyone started to panic. And then any kind of realization that you can go back to the office and it's going to work is, it comes with that kind of realization that you can't just go back to the office. Things are going to be different and the world has probably dramatically changed considerably forever. And it's, it's at that point where companies have really started to think, well, what can we do to enable the safe return to the office? But then what can we do to enable people working remotely, the people that maybe don't want to return to the office? And for some businesses, it's never returned to the office. And what does that mean for our business, our collaboration, our mental well-being? There's, there's a lot of problems where people are working all day now because those natural breaks that going downstairs to grab a coffee or going to Starbucks, whatever it might be, they aren't there. And you're at home, so you're expected to be on call permanently all of the time because people can just click a button and call you, um, especially organizations that weren't that big on technology. Before, when you were an organization that you didn't really do remote working at all, or you didn't really have video conferencing, and the most you had was a mobile phone number or maybe a bit of Skype, it was less of an issue if people ringing you because it wouldn't happen. You get an email, you could ignore an email. Now it's kind of people... Every, every person is on Teams or on Zoom or on Slack or whatever it might be. Therefore, they've got a direct line into anyone within the organization, which they didn't have previously. And they'll just, they'll just ring. You could be doing anything. You could be working. And depending on what your role is, your role might be to be have a call no matter what, customer-focused or collaboration-focused. But you, you, your role might equally be siloed. I'm going to get my job done. And an interruption there isn't necessarily ideal, but that whole culture change of why isn't person X available immediately when I ring them at all times, that kind of culture is as set in. So the work that we're doing is really to try and tackle the remote work, the office work and anything in between and how we work for a blended or a hybrid workplace, how we bring collaboration into the modern era. And it's not about just, how do we use collaborative tools like a digital whiteboard or video conferencing? Because if anyone has had video conferencing for six months now has really realized that they don't want to turn on the video anymore. They don't want to stare at the screen. They don't want to sit here. They don't want to be back to back. A lot of companies we're talking to as well have really realized that they can be losing money 
because some of those physical activities and those physical interactions aren't happening, they're actually seen at a loss of income regardless of the of the crisis that's happening. The, the, the question really is around how can they approach this new blended workplace? And it's the desk booking features. So people really want those desk reserving features. And this is because it's the, it's the track and trace ability now. It's the ability to know who was where and when for the emergencies. But in the future, it's not necessarily about the track and trace. It's more about maybe you've got a smaller office now. Maybe more people are working from home. It's more normal. The culture has changed. Therefore, where are your colleagues? Where are the people on your project? Are they at home? Are they in the office? Are they going to be in the office? So booking a desk gives you that clear distinction of one, I've got the capacity planning. I know that I've got 50% capacity now. I've got, it. I've got the people there. I know who's there. Two, it's my, and me as an individual, I can see that my team, two of them at home, one of them's, um, I don't know, somewhere else working remotely, and one of them is in an office, and especially the larger organizations, there are then multiple offices. Which one are you actually at? Do you need a room? Do you need a desk? All these kind of things. So when you think of booking a meeting room, which is the kind of the space that we're, we're looking at the moment, no one is booking a meeting or a room or a desk just to be there. They're booking it usually for an agenda that they have. Um, right now, we're talking around this interview. We've planned multiple meetings about it. We've had lots of emails about it. And there will be probably follow-up meetings around this as well. The same for a project. You have a project and some people will be involved at different times. And this is even worse when you're working remotely because some people might not be involved at all, but usually where you get the cross-chatter in the office and you might hear something and you know something and you go, oh, I've heard about that. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's no one talking in my room and I don't get any cross chatter anywhere. So if I'm not involved in a meeting, I'm not involved in a chat, I'm not involved at all. And then all of a sudden it can be a shock to you when you see all this information, you go, what's this project? What's happening? What have I missed? And the answer at the moment is go and look at these five shared folders, these two video recordings and something else. And it's impossible. So what we're trying to focus on is how can we bring this together? How can we have meetings, collaborative working, and a different kind of non-video conferencing working as well? And this is what we're talking to all of our customers about. Every customer has got this same problem. It doesn't matter how big, how small. There's an element of collaboration. There's the element of communication. There's the element of well-being. And there's the element of just staying in touch with everybody and having that culture still, that you still know the people that you're working with. Um, we always act as an integration platform. So it's how can we bring together the tools that are already existing and fill the gaps? Yeah, so I wanted to bring in someone you're working with, Nathan, on the design side specifically to get you know a little bit more precise on the actual work that you guys have to do. So with that, just wanted to welcome uh, Dean Bagnall. Hey, Dean, thanks so much for joining us too. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, this is great. So... When you're approaching design, I imagine that design is not just one little thing. That is a big endeavor. And so when you're approaching design for any kind of technology solution that aims to address the blended workplace, right? How, how do you even begin? Like, what's your starting point? What goes into this process? Well, I think it, it all starts with the needs of the user at the end of the day. So we're building a product, we're building a web app for them and how they can work better so 
I think there's always this emotional design aspect as well with like this, there's a different a kind of like a dichotomy of like, there's a speed of information that you might need up front versus there's sometimes like this depth of information. So um, I think it's specifically if you're working in an office, then you might be jumping between meeting room and meeting room and your interaction with the app might be quick. Let's just see what I'm doing now versus when I'm at home, I can really pay attention to what I'm seeing and get that more in-depth information. I think it's a, uh, it's what people's mindsets are at the end of the day and what do they desire when they open the phone or the app. Um, it's kind of like a, an active participation versus like a more of a passive reinforcement. Um, and then the, of course you're thinking about your features and how would they mature with this mindset. So obviously the, the, the work, the different cases of working from home versus working in the office, it's going to be different every time people interact with the app. So, and very much if we're thinking about this app is, is, is a global app. Um, people generally have an idea of how they might want to work when they're booking rooms or desks. So they'll probably come into it with a level of expectation of this is what I should be able to do within the app. But because I said it's global, there's different people working different ways. So it's how do we, again, look at people's workflows? How do we integrate that? And then there would, we kind of have to design it in a way where there really is no edge cases. Um, and design obviously is it's a, it's a broad term. So it's not all about pushing pixels, but um, it's something we have to consider this emotional aspect and the different roles and the way that people interact with the app. It's something that we have to be mindful of when we are pushing the pixels. Yeah, so much that goes into it. And so when you're working on this kind of project, can you tell us a little bit about how the last maybe couple of months have been as you guys are you know, really deep in figuring this stuff out in real time? Yeah, yeah. So day to day, it's a lot of testing. It's a lot of looking at the uh, user's information when it comes back to us. How do we use that information in an iterative process to kind of develop? So, for example, at the moment, we're redoing parts of our homepage. So it's a, the, our homepage is very much a working page. Uh, we're trying to reshuffle aspects and kind of address how the users use this page so and provide more value essentially um yeah we we need to make sure that it's, it's effective for users as it's like one of the main pages you'll be using so again like pushing uh we're trying to get the design to really be maximizing that efficiency um and we and we need to cater for the needs of of the user's design for today because they might not be in the office, they might be at home. And no one really buys pure functionality. They have they buy something that is desirable. So from a design point of view, there's a lot of pressure on us to get it right. Mm. But um, yeah, so it's mixing that balance of like the design versus it being super effective and a, a tool that really people want to come back and use no matter if they're in the office or at home. Awesome. So yeah, so one final question for you here, just before we uh, we jump back to Nathan, what what are you excited about as far as continuing to work on this into the future as we go into twenty twenty one here? What are you what are you looking forward to about this work? I think because it's quite an evolving workplace, I think using the it's the angle of people working from home versus working in the office. It's something that obviously is a lot more prevalent nowadays. It's a design challenge that. I never thought I would really be working on. I think this is obviously sped up by the whole situation, but 
it's just an interesting design challenge that I think it really could help people uh, in today's climate. Mm. Oh, that's great. Well, we appreciate your perspective a lot. It's so great to get the specific insights from the real practitioners who are working on this stuff. Um, thanks for putting all the effort into it. And thank you so much for sharing with us. No, thanks. Thanks for your time. It's been good. So the question that I want to ask you is now with hindsight as a little bit of a, of a benefit here, um, but also thinking ahead, how much of this is really about your perspective, but also from, from the big companies you guys work with, what you're picking up, how much from the physical world should we bring ideally into the digital world and vice versa, right? Like when we are eventually coming more back to some interaction with our physical spaces, how much of the innovation around collaborating in a digital sense will be will be brought back? I know that's a big question, but yeah. parts of that that you want to want to dive into would be really interesting. Yeah, and I, I think the answer is all of it. It's it's very easy to consider the two worlds separately. I mean, the way you asked the question was almost like there's two worlds, whereas really there's one world, and you can be either in one side of of it on the other side of it or maybe maybe you're in the car dropping the kids off at school in the morning and you're still involved so it's really given us that perspective of we could be working from anywhere at any time in any way and how do we bring all those things together i think the the crisis now has really pushed us to actually realize that there is that possibility that you're not fixed to your desk all day every day or a meeting room and how do you actually take this digital world and physical world and, and mold them together? So it's more about reimagining the problem, understanding where we are now, then understanding which problems we really want to solve, which is allowing people to work anywhere at any time in any place, but still collaboratively. Uh, when you look at it like that, it kind of changes the question just a little bit. And we did some research a couple of years ago. At the time, it was um, it was more for the future. We had this 2030 plan. Naively, we thought it might take a long time for people to get a hold of different things, technology to seep in. Then all of a sudden, in March, everyone took every single piece of technology we've been trying to talk to about for ages and just threw it all in at once. So it really speeded our plans. The research really focused on millennials and beyond. So not necessarily the generations that are in the workplace now. It was more of who's coming into the workplace, who's in there now in terms of the millennials are a certain demographic now where they're more leaders. So how does that affect the workplace? And then you've got the other generations, right? You've got, you've got the kids now that expect every screen to be interactive, to be touch screen. They only, they've got an attention span of the TikTok video, therefore any longer than that, then you're not watching, you're not listening. So how do you tackle collaboration for those guys? And that's what we were really looking at. And interestingly, we, we took some students from a university, first and second year students, they hadn't been in the workplace, they hadn't been beaten down by, oh, you can't do that at work, it's not how it works at work. And it was great for us because one, they were really shocked about how the workplace actually works outside of university. And, and two, their concerns were, well, what if I don't speak up in a meeting? Uh, a lot of people don't talk. They all sit in the meeting, they'll hear the ideas, they'll have something to say, but they won't necessarily say it out loud. And they might talk about it afterwards or behind closed doors or maybe not talk about it at all. 
So at the time, we were like, but what if there was some kind of app or something that I could contribute silently, but on an app, or I could vote interactively on an idea? What about if I was presenting an idea now to some remote users, some people in the office, and at any point I could start a new poll? And that poll, I think of it like, a, I don't know, an Instagram live feed. I can start a poll. The results start to come in and everybody's contributing. And these were the kind of the ideas that the students were bringing to us and um, to really help people that don't talk or do whatever else. And all of that research is really valuable now because that's how I think we can answer this question is if there's a digital companion to every single meeting, whether it's on an interactive whiteboard, whether it's on your laptop, and if every single meeting is a, a video conference meeting that you can record, it almost doesn't matter where you are and what you do. And on top of that, we've got some really far out ideas, which we're starting to build now as well, which might be a bit much for some people. But if you look at tools like WhatsApp, have you seen those people that don't have a conversation in terms of an audio call? They do voice snippets. Mm-hmm. It's a continuous stream of small voice snippets. My partner, she'll, she'll have an all-day voice snippet conversation with somebody, and I'm like, why don't, why don't you just ring that person? And the answer's quite obvious. It's because I'm doing things in between, but I still want to listen and hear the voice and hear the personality, hear the context, hear how it's been said and all the emotion in the voice. So we're looking at how could a meeting be different if you can do voice snippets, image snippets, and text over a day, why if you're collaborating permanently in this kind of virtual workspace, which means it doesn't matter if you're physically in a room or you're at home and you can bring that together. And I think that's the holy grail and it, it really solves that problem of there's not, we don't solve the physical versus digital, we make a new norm and we enable everyone to play. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting how a blended workplace really is blended in more ways than one, right? Like we're talking about truly blended here. And um, at the same time, you know, there are these there are these gaps still, right? So what are some of the specific issues around communication or employee experience in terms of the tech? Uh, what are some of those gaps and issues there that, that companies are still dealing with? And there's a stepping stone that you need to take into the that blended workplace. People really focused on remote work for a while. So everyone that didn't do it previously suddenly has bought laptops that were, were good enough. Some laptops didn't have cameras because people didn't really care what was the point. So there was a long time when we saw a lot of organizations just buying hardware, shipping this to people. But for instance, think of all the organizations that are still on fixed desktop machines. There's no way you're working at home and taking your desktop home in your car. So there's a lot of, we need new devices. We'd need a lot of this. So that was the first problem, which I think has mainly been solved or there's, there's, there's ways to achieve this now. And then it's how do you continue that monitoring that you might've done in the office for remote workers, the well-being, the, the collaboration aspects, make sure people are okay. And what's universally happening now is people are realizing they can go back to workplaces and it's now they've got the opposite problem. They're coming back to the office. They were used to working in an only office environment. So all of the tech that they have is geared towards a physical environment, but they've just ordered a lot of remote work stuff. So now you're in the office, you walk into a room, 
hey, do I join the video conferencing? Oh, I, I can't. It doesn't work. There's nothing in here. There's no webcam. So it's the basic tech that we're seeing now inside the workplace of really trying to figure out how do you collaborate in that blended environment in the most basic of way of whether you've got the, you know, the Zoom room kit or the Teams room kit so that you can join the same meeting remotely and um, in the person. And, and, and that's a, it's quite a basic problem, but it's a problem that people now have. But more so is the, how do we now optimize our space for the new normal of working? How do we make sure that we have collaboration zones? How do we make sure that we've got meeting rooms that are sufficient or small enough or big enough? How do we make sure that we've got the right capacity in our offices? If 50% of the workforce don't return, you don't need 50% of your office anymore. Or do you? How many people are actually in? What's your maximum capacity? Um, how do you ensure that you've got the right kind of office environment now? Traditionally, an environment is a bunch of desks and a bunch of rooms. And depending on how forward thinking you are as an organization, maybe some nice collaboration zones where you can go and, and do a few things. Maybe you've got a table tennis if you're, if you're really cool and you're a startup. The question now is, should I have meeting rooms at all? Should I have more collaboration spaces? Should I have more isolation areas where you can have those one-to-one -one meetings with someone that is remote? What does that look like? And it's, it's doing the culture interviews with your employees, finding out how they want to work, how they, how they feel that will best benefit those guys. And then we're putting technological solutions in there to try and figure out what's happening. Is I guess the first problem is we can pull data, like um, how many Zoom calls, how many, how many WebEx calls, whatever it might be how much time you spend it on virtual meetings. We put the centers into a lot of organizations now to figure out actual occupancy, what's being used, what's not being used. Because until you know that, you don't know, you can't make an informed decision, you're just guessing. And I don't know if you've ever done a survey internally, but what people say versus what people do are completely different. Oh yeah, I'm fine with exactly the way things are. And then you go into the office and complain or vice versa. So it's really, I guess, what we're solving now with a lot of organizations is answering the question, how do my employees want to work? How should they be working? And what's going to be best beneficial for both the employee and the employer? Yeah. And you brought up in there, too, the, the C word, culture, right? <laughs> so um, thinking about maybe some local differences and not just company culture, but culture in different countries, in different regions, how does that factor in when you take a truly global view uh, of all this? Massively. Uh, I've got the privilege of speaking to companies all over the world um, pretty much every single day at the moment, and they're always huge organizations, which is really interesting. And you see a massive local difference. Um, in the US, they were used to a lot of um, fixed desks this is my desk and only my desk. That's what I'm seeing in a lot of those organizations. In, in Europe, it's completely different. It's usually a hot desk scenario and people don't generally have fixed desks. And then we're trying to solve problems in Spain. It's completely different. They're really focused on lunch, that, that two hour lunch period. How, so the biggest questions we're getting from Spanish customers is, how do I enable my employees to book a slot at lunch for the cafeteria? And it, it, I've never had that question for anyone in the UK because people don't care about lunch. I don't get it in some other countries. And then it's around there's this fine line between enabling people to know where your employees are 
So I know where my colleagues are, I know which desk they're in and which room they're in, versus enabling an organization to do the wrong thing with that data and say, why weren't you at your desk? Why have you worked at home so much? And go back into those old cultural norms. So there's the data protection aspect. There's the sharing data. If you go to the Netherlands um, and you say that you want to um, allow people to know where people are sitting, it's immediately, let's not do that. Let's turn that off. If you go to Germany, it's let's not turn it off, but let's make sure they can turn it off if they want. If you go to the US, it's we don't really care. We will, I want to know where everybody is at all times, no matter what. So it's solving that. And, and then once you're a global organization, the problem's a lot more tricky because you haven't just got one of those scenarios. You've got all of those scenarios now in one application that's built centrally for everybody. So it's how do you manage that on a local level per organization within the organization? Yeah, those nuances in, in culture and those specifics around location um, seem to be so big. There's so much work to be done there, right? So just for, for folks who are trying to get a real picture of the types of companies you guys work with and what it really looks like, are there some uh, examples you can bring up, um, something that maybe you're working on in real time that'd be worth sharing? Yeah, so there's a couple segments which i think are very interesting one of them is the garment industry and people who produce clothing um we're working with a couple of uk businesses who traditionally they're very hands-on so their collaboration spaces and their offices are completely different to what you might imagine from a tech business or a traditional business there's clothes everywhere there's mannequins there's dummies it's about mail coming in managing that mail internally and then um knowing where a piece of fabric might be at any given time and making sure everyone can physically touch it. You, you can't digitally make a physical thing feelable. So with those guys, it's more about how do you handle that collaboration space? How do you handle that collaboration space in such a way that they can book somewhere safely for the team? So it's not an individual booking at that stage. It's I want to book these guys in this room or this space where this material is, where my items are, and I need them to be there when I need them there. And if you, if you take what people are doing now, things are cleaned down every day, things are disposed of and moved away. So it's a bigger deal than it used to be. So giving them the ability to say, I need a collaboration space, I need to use material X, Y, and Z, I need person A, B, and C in that space, and I need it ready for this time. Everyone then sees the meeting, travels to the office, the track and trace features are there, and then they, the, all the things that they need are there at the time they go there. There's no need to, to mingle around or go somewhere they shouldn't be. So it's solving that problem. And then we're working with the Confederation of British Industry, so the CBI. The, the CBI, um, the, the, what they do is the voice of British business. We attended their conference last year. We've got a case study out where we put IoT centers in the, um, the, the CBI annual event. And we, we tried to figure out um, if analytics could predict the, ele the election. And analytics, it turns out, could predict the election because nobody turned up for any speech after the main two speakers, which was um, Boris Johnson at the time. And so it kind of dropped afterwards. We're all about data trying to prove that. So we've been working with the CBI for quite a while. And now we're helping them with their return to work. 
with their return to work. It's how do you bring people in safely? How do you enable that desk booking experience? And how do you ramp that up over time as well? So it, it's a similar story to a lot of the other industries that, that are similar to those guys. And it's kind of the, I want people in the office, but I want them to feel safe to be in the office. And I want them to feel like they can be in the office if they want and be able to find their colleagues. It's, it's the same story, slightly different way of approaching it. And internally at Rico, we've rolled out our own application across about 16 different countries now. And it's for the same reason. We, we feel that we're missing the collaboration aspects and some people hate working at home, especially if you haven't been used to it. They just, just don't like being at home. Um, and it's for a number of reasons. Maybe it's that uh, they don't want to be near children all day when they're at home or there's a, there's a spouse, a partner, there's people that can't concentrate. They want that clear divide between work and home. So it's enabling those organizations to come back to the office. That's, that's another scenario we see quite often. And to enable them back to the office safely, they have to feel safe, but they've also got to demonstrate that they're doing enough to be able to allow people back to the office as well. So it's a, it's a common theme there. The, the, the CBI one is a great one because they need to get back in. There's things that they need to do, but it's not a full office. So the paint for the office anyway. So you still need to get people back in, but safely. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's helpful. Um, just switching the perspective here a little bit. How, how are you doing personally with all this stuff? How do you feel about being at home and, and how are you, potentially reintegrating back into the physical workplace? Like where are you at with all this just yourself? It, it's hard at, at start. It was, uh, it was good. We had some more time. I'd have to take the hour commute to the office, but myself and the team were really hands-on. We've got several interactive whiteboards and we just scribble all day. We draw up ideas. We go, Hey, can we solve this? And we, we draw it, we go away. And the team generally sit in a, quite an open area. So, someone that might not be directly involved in the conversation, they walk over and they go, oh, that doesn't look very good. Or what about this? And we're going, oh, that's a great idea. We'll, we'll incorporate that. And we're missing all of that. We're, I had a catch up just before this meeting um, with the design team around what we can do around uh, personal space management. And it, it's, it's hard because when I'm not having the meeting with them, we're not talking about it. Whereas before we'd be continuous to be talking about it. So it's a really tricky situation, especially when you're in a, I guess, a user experience-based design role. But then technological-wise, so we've got the entire development team, it's hard to make sure people are okay. I've got people in the team that hate being at home, would rather be in the office. And no matter anything I do, if they can't get back in the office, they're not going to be that happy at home and they feel like they're just, they're just coding on their own all day. Because my interaction, that I'm in meetings all day, every day, I'm meeting different people, I'm trying to get my own work done. But the, some of these guys, they're just on their own all day doing their thing and they might get a couple of messages a day. So it can be quite hard. And, and, and personally, I'd, I'd rather be in, a, in the middle ground where I wasn't being called all day, dragged into meetings all day. There's been days where I've started at half seven in the morning and finished at six. Then I get to do my day job. <laughs> And you find yourself apologizing, right? So people are apologizing on calls. It's not just myself. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen it where they go, sorry, I'm a minute late. I had to go to the toilet. Sorry, I'm a minute late. I was finishing my lunch. And I'm like, 
why, why are we apologizing now for having a little break or have going to get a drink? Whereas before you could work, walk into a meeting and you were almost expected to come in at five past and sit down with your drink and have a little chat. And that seems to be, to be gone. There's, there's no chit chat before and after the meeting. Now it's kind of, we're in, this is the agenda. Let's get it done. Let's get out and let's move on. And no one's scheduling a meeting for a chat. I, I don't know if you just, no one's having that quick team meeting that's not got an agenda. Let's have a quick chat. And when you do, it's like, what are you ringing me for? Just thought to see if you're okay. Well, that's weird. Don't talk to me. I'm at home. So and we've seen some, some really cool stuff as well. Um, one of our project managers a few weeks back, I don't know if you've seen it going around, they invited a goat. So we had a, a live goat on a, on a Zoom call. So that was, that was fun. It was weird, but fun. So it's that kind of stuff, right? You've got to bring it back. You've got to, you've got to have the fun. You've got to have the, 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 the culture that you had in the office. We'd, we'd, we'd go out on a Friday afternoon. We'd have a beer. That, that's gone. Those kind of things need to come back or be replaced with something else that's still important to people's normal days and normal work. We, we've kind of gone into um, robot mode, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, and it's really tough because I do know that there are some people and some teams that say, hey, let's just have, you know, a virtual happy hour on a Friday at four o'clock, right? Yeah. Um, does it really, really work, though, when you are already so drained from so many of yeah. these calls? Like, is it really the same? Are we... In some cases, maybe it is, right? I don't want to be overly cynical about it, but I think it's fair to say that for a lot of folks, you know, it, it just doesn't work the same way. Like we have lost a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And that point about it just going from, like I find myself saying this to my team and to, and to my wife and to everybody, like, yeah, just in back-to-backs this morning or back-to-back this afternoon or back-to-backs all day or whatever, right? And and that like no break that like, okay, I got to try to run up and see if I can refill this water cup and then come back. Oh, so sorry. I'm a minute late. Yeah. Like just trying to hydrate, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> we've lost our way. Right. Yeah, definitely. And all those, all those happy hours, water coolers, whatever the meetings were called, I had them every Friday for the first few weeks and then no one turned up. Cause like you said, you you spending all day on, on video conferencing and then you spend another hour to chill out. Makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Makes no sense. Hey, is that you, a, you, you can ahead. only talk once at a time. Like this now, look, you can only, only one of you can talk, right? And it's yeah. impossible to do, have a 20 people on a, how was your day? It's one at a time. It, it doesn't work. It's you yeah. can, unless you can figure out a way of having sub meetings, sub chats. When I'm talking, I can't hear anybody else, but someone else is talking. They can't hear anybody else. Yeah. It's like, so Nathan, what are you planning to do this weekend? Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay, Joe, what it, it's, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> tough. it's tough. Hey, is that a, is that a Gymshark t-shirt you're wearing there? It is. Um, yeah. I like to, well, I like to think I'm helping a local business. Um, it's a pretty big local business now, but I've been a fan from the start um, when they were doing small little t-shirts. I was just to buy them. Now everybody knows who they are. Previously, no one knew. Um, I think about four or five years ago, I took a trip to the States. I met some friends and um, I was wearing one then and one or two people, they're kind of, oh, is that Gymshark? I, I knew that brand. I've seen it. 
and now it's you can't hide from it right it's everywhere yeah uh the hometown how's that what's the what's the origin story there for the people who don't know so there's there's one guy i forget his name apologies but he, he started Gymshark. He started to print his own T-shirts in his, in his shed, in his garage, in his house. And then it just grew from there. And I, I watched the, the progress and I watched it kind of balloon. It, it was almost crazy because it was just one guy doing a few things. And it's interesting to see how you can just go it alone. You can start to build the business from nothing. And, and now they've got massive head offices They've got global presence. It's, I think it's great. I think it's a good origin story, right? Yeah, straight out of and Birmingham, right? I've got more than one thing now. It's usually, especially when I'm talking to anyone outside of the UK, people don't know many UK locations. So it's usually, are you from London? Or how far is that from London? Whereas now it's, oh, Gymshark, that's in Birmingham. And you've got the other one, if you, if you know it, is Peaky Blinders. So the Peaky Blinders TV show, oh, that's in Birmingham. So I've got two reference points now that aren't Big Ben or the um, the London Eye. <laughs> that's, oh, man. Yeah, well, that's, that's something, right? It's some kind of progress. Oh, man. Hey, so um, I wanted to touch briefly, too, on the work that our companies are doing together, what we're attempting to do together. Uh, me, personally, I have uh, no credit to take here, but can you just share your take on how ScreenCloud and Rico Europe are trying to work together to address some of this stuff? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great relationship that we have. We've been working together for about two years now. It's gone very quick and it all started with a little automatic bot on your website when I was looking for some, some great digital signage partners. And for me, I was looking for more than just signage and I was looking for the same culture. When we select partners, it's important that we've got the same mentality, the, the blue sky thinking. So uh, I met Sam. Um, from ScreenCloud at the time, and it was great. We had a good chat. We we found out at the time our offices um, in London were just around the corner, so we came in. We have the same culture, the same environment. I thought it was great. And then we started to just talk about ideas of the future, and it was clear straight away after meeting um, Mark that the vision for ScreenCloud was beyond the screen, which is important because that's where we were looking as well. And it is even more important now because you can't just have um, digital signage where it's a screen in an office. What about the guys sitting at home? What about the engagement? And what role could that kind of technology play in that future? So talking about ideas like um, having it in Teams, having it on, online where you've got the same signage everywhere. We pulled it into our Rico Spaces app. So now in our Rico Spaces app, we have a digital signage channel playing inside the web. So anyone, anywhere, at any time can see that same content absolutely everywhere to try and push that same communication message that you would do as a screen. And looking beyond that, what we can do with the technology is great. The engagement stuff, the, um, the screen clone engage technology, I think it will play a serious part in the, the business social media kind of space, I think. Um, but the real one, not the, not the one that steals all of your data. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks for that, Nathan. It is, um, it's something we're really proud of, the fact that we have this partnership with you guys and, and you personally. So um, on that note, I just want to say thanks for that partnership and for you spending this time with us, sharing all these insights. Been tremendously valuable. Thank you so much, Nathan. 
No, thanks for having me. It's always great. I'll always talk forever about anything. And it, I think it's a, it's a really interesting subject. And I, I think there's a lot of things to be done. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcomed. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.